a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show presented by Maxis Tires and Alpine Stars Protects on RacerXOnline.com. your continued support of our sponsors we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads click that amazon banner on pole mx to help us out and donate via patreon if it suits you and as always enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us Original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast with Doug Dubok. Thank you for listening. Appreciate it. Dr. D, great guy. Cool, cool storyteller, and I think you'll really enjoy this podcast. I, I know I really did. Flyracing.com, please check them out on the web. 2019 Kinetic Mesh, out now. You saw it in Daytona, and uh, you'll see it on flyracing.com. Different colors, uh, different styles. That uh, Yeah, it's really, really cool of those guys to do that. Formula Helmet out now, of course. Mountain Bike, Watercraft, flyracing.com, hard parts. You'd be surprised. All the stuff you would see on flyracing.com website. So please check them out. I want to thank them for making this show happen. Great guys down there. Also, Maxxis Tires, MXST Tires, developed by the king, Jeremy McGrath. AJ Cantonzar running them as well. So if you're in the market for some tires, check out, check out the MXST line. And, of course, they have incredible uh, mountain bike tires as well. So I uh, love those guys. Alpine Stars, Tech 10, the most advanced booted motocross today. There's a review of the Tech 10 2.0 up on publimex.com site right now that Chris Kiefer did. So please go there and read it. And also uh, the Tech 7 boot, which I love. Um, lots of colors. Now, the Alpine Stars is just producing the the le for sevens and tens all day long so uh, alpine stars uh protection you know the name you know the pro- you know the product and you know the quality that they have and slickwash.com use the code steve to save at slickwash.com monster energy pro circuit use this cleaner to uh, wash up their championship bikes and uh, i use it as well on my mountain bike and my dirt bike they have a th- simple three-step wash process that is very very good and really really neat and uh even the car even carmichael he's got something to do with this too so please check them out use the code steve slickwash.com uh all right here we go on to burning questions and some bench racing with the doctor and now, as promised, on the Fly Racing Racer X podcast presented by Maxix, Slick Products, and uh, the folks at Alpine Stars from DubokRacing.com, uh, Supercross winner, former factory Yamaha rider, and all-around legend, Doug Dubok. What's up, Dr. D? How are you? Ah, not much, Mass. It's just, uh, you know, living the dream, I guess they could say. <laughs> I bet you are. How's business? Everything good? Yeah, I can't complain at the moment. You good. know, it's... Uh, a little up and down as, you know, it's been for everyone in mm-hmm. recent years. But, uh, yeah, at the moment we're very busy and uh, putting out lots of exhaust and keeping me busy. Cool. People can go check it, DubokRacing.com. So you are a world-class bench racer, never mind a terrific racer yourself over the years. <laughs> and uh, you have a gift of gab, and you're very smart about a lot of things. And so I have a lot of questions that I've stored up in my brain 
over the years, and I thought you'd be a perfect guy to like help me break them down and help me answer these questions. Now, let's be honest. They got to be on paper because your brain doesn't have that capacity. No, yeah, they're on paper. Trust me, yeah, they're on paper. Uh, they're all, just they're... come clean. All right, I don't want anyone <laughs> right. you know, getting the wrong impression here. Yeah, no, exactly. Before we get to some of those stuff, though, let's let's catch up a bit with you. You've been riding much? Yes, uh, more lately than you know. It's it's cyclical, like anything. You get crazy mm-hmm. busy, you don't ride as much. But now I was putting in actually a fair amount of laps trying to gear it up for the two-stroke race that's coming up next month. And mm-hmm. then I managed to break my uh, index finger on my right hand oh. about two weeks ago. Oh, so geez. I'm uh, watching more than riding at the moment. Uh, a rock or a crash? Uh, no, actually, I smashed it at work. Oh, jeez. Uh, in my, uh, uh, this crazy thing that happened. But, yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. it's just... Seems so simple, but it keeps you from riding a dirt bike. Yeah, yeah, really, right? Um, hey, we so, saw we saw you the last few summers uh, in the pits, working with uh, Yamaha Japan with some riders, and uh, obviously your mm-hmm. connection with Yamaha and you, you, your connection with Japan. Are you doing that again? Is that the plan? Are you going to continue to do it? Yes, uh, at least for this for 2019, 2020 is still uh, undecided. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'll be at all 12 outdoors. With uh, Yusuke Watanabe, the 2017 uh, 250F um, national champion, Japanese national champion. So, yeah, hopefully this year he's got a little better program. He'll be in with Rock River. Yep. Uh, doing under their tent and maybe a little better bikes and uh, a little more experience, you know, because for him, every track he showed up at was brand new. Mm-hmm. and. You know how they lay this uh, lovely system out. Hey, you got about three laps <laughs> to learn the track and put a, put yeah. in the heater because yeah. that, that's the window of opportunity you have. So yeah, yeah you know he definitely was on a, a vertical learning curve all year. So um, yeah, I expect a little better things from him this time around. Uh, you know, again being with a little you know stronger program. Mm-hmm. You know, I think just bikes wise, helping with starts. Sure. And, Getting around the track because, as we all know, uh, you can't go racing in that class with a stock no. bike. <laughs> no, no, not at all. Um, that leads me to my probably my first, my next topic is, is uh, I was watching the opening round of the uh, MXGP series in Argentina, and I was looking at the track, and it looked great, and the riders were using all the lines, and they were, they were you know, especially in the second motos, they were going right to left, left to right, cut across. It was it was really unique, cool style to watch these guys do that. And I started thinking, and I put it on Twitter too. I started thinking about our tracks in America. Like, I don't know why they prep them the way they do, but you can't do that in America because the ruts will be four feet deep across the whole track. And we've lost. I know it's good for spectators because it keeps the dust down. I mean, certainly go watch videos from your era of Red Butt or Hangtown or whatever, and you know all of that stuff. <laughs> I, I get it. The dust is down, but it's got to be a better way. Our, our track prep needs help for these nationals. You use the same tire. It's the same sort of track every week, no matter where we are. Yeah, well, I call it the made-for-TV motocross because it's, mm-hmm. I mean, and Supercross is just as guilty, but yeah. it's, you know, you can see it anywhere, all through social media, the frustration of anyone that's been there, done that, uh, what they what they have to look at. And it, these these days, and it's, it is, it's really frustrating for me, you know, I, I, I hate to admit it, but I'm I'm snoozing halfway through a Supercross watching it on TV. Cause uh-huh. Just the way they build the tracks, there's nothing 
unique. There's, I mean, probably as recent as kind of a tale in the James Stewart era, mm-hmm. and you know, he created excitement, but where there was something on the track that was a little different, and not just big balls jump some giant thing, but at least a little bit different rhythm so you could get some racing and not just have these vanilla tracks that make nothing but, you know, a, a nice nap for me halfway through the event. Yeah. What do you think of the outdoor prep, though? Like, do you, do you think it should... They, well, no, I mean, it's, it is. It's, you know, they don't want dust. They've got all these requirements from TV, and, you know, they want to make this nice little package, but what they forgot is to make a very unique, exciting event, and that's, I mean, how often do you really either walk away from a race if you're there in person or turn the TV off and go, wow, that was outstanding. You know, that's just, it, it's a rarity. You know, it, it really stands out. The the odd races here or there, you know, James Stewart and Kennard at Millville or, you know, yeah, yeah. there's just so few that you, you tend to know exactly which ones were halfway entertaining. Right. Yeah, it's, uh, and, yeah, it's just, I, I'd like to see some of the natural dirts of the, different tracks come back. Um, certainly, you know, I mean, we don't need the hard pack concrete of Hangtown back, but can we do something in between the rice holes and the, and, <laughs> yeah. and the disc in the water, you know? So I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. It's, it's, uh, I mean, I understand the reason, but I think they've just, they've got a little too far removed. Yeah. You know, they go, oh, okay, this is making all these people happy, but they're kind of losing track of the, the core Right. People that really do are the the guys that come year after year after year, you know, because yeah. the people are just looking for something to do on a Sunday or well Saturday now. Yeah. Is uh, you know those guys they'll come and go depending on the mm-hmm. you know whatever the soup du jour is. But sure. uh, yeah, to take care of those fans, you know, a, a perfect example is a track like Unadilla. You know, the first time mm-hmm. I rolled into that place, it was just unbelievable. I rode a GP. And I ought to believe like 87 or somewhere around there. Uh-huh. Full grass track, just banners. And, I mean, that in itself was very cool. Right. And then you go and it, it, you get all of it. You know, you get kind of that muddy section down there because that's where that little bit of rain settled. And then you get some hard, slick stuff and some rocks and ruts and a little bit of dust. And it, it's it's everything mm-hmm. that a motocross race is kind of meant to have. Yeah. And, you know, nowadays they've turned that track into a supercross, an outdoor supercross yeah. with lots of ruts. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. Um, <laughs> and I get it. We're, you know, we're in that age, but all these tracks saw Larocco's Leap, and they all have an uphill triple of some sort or some huge jump. You know, it's like, ah, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I guess for fans and TV we need that, but do we really need that? I don't know. It's it's Maybe we're just maybe too, We don't need that. Yeah, I maybe mean, we're, maybe know, we're just old guys complaining. I don't know. <laughs> well, it, we absolutely are, but you know, I think there is some some substance behind mm. our our you know it was so much better in my day right, kind of right. venting. But yeah, I mean, it's true. It's it's not just us wanting to sound like we were in a lived in some better time. But I mean, anybody you mm-hmm. talk to has that same feeling. Like, oh man, you know, even as you know, ten years ago, it yeah. was just starting to transition. But people talk about those races. Not too many people talk about, you know, the races last year or the year before. It's yeah. like they all just sort of run together because they, 
nothing stands out. Yeah, yeah. Um, look, obviously, I'm biased. Yamaha gave me a bike to give away for privateers for for a raffle for money that goes to privateers, and I have. Mm-hmm. They gave me a YZ450 to ride, and you have ridden Yamahas for a hundred years outside of your 81 RM125 that we will talk about here shortly. <laughs> but so we are two completely biased people, and you've had a lot to do with this bike over the years. I, I absolutely. And and you know what? And actually, I got I absolutely love this YZ450. Like I, I can't speak highly enough of it. It is an amazing bike. I had a Suzuki beforehand, and it was good. Nothing wrong with it. It's not like it was holding me back or anything. You know, I'm just a tubby old vet guy. But the new Yamaha is, it's amazing. The motor is so good. And here's a, here's proof, Doug, that that how good it is. Weimer was out here doing a motocross school. Jake Weimer. He had a Honda from a guy, and uh, he rode my bike for. I don't know, 10 minutes, 12 minutes, and he now has a Yamaha. He bought one from a dealer. That's that, he just was like, I go, how good is that thing? He's like, oh, my God. He's like, oh, my God. He just kept talking about it. And, man, and I know, like I said, uh, you've had a lot to do with this bike over the years, this this backward engine 450, and, and you've been very vocal about it. <laughs> this might be the pinnacle of it, man. Um, what a bike. What a bike, Dubach. Well, well you know, it's. Uh, very satisfying to hear you say that because, you know, every bike, every color has their, you know, good and bad points. Mm-hmm. But that Yamaha has been a very good bike for a very long time. And I do agree with you that this is probably the best YZ450 that I've ever ridden. You know, even yeah. everyone can pick a year that they thought was better than another. But, you know, all those little things that you do over time mm-hmm. are coming around and, and all coming together for that little, you know, perfect recipe. And I, I do believe that's where that bike is at the moment. You know, it, every company's been guilty of taking a big step backwards yeah. and yep. trying to dig themselves out of that hole, you know, and those stories are plenty. But I, I do think that that bike has just slowly climbed up and up and up and it's, it's hard to find a flaw in anymore. You know, I mean, there's yeah. always this little thing. You know, motor was too strong, or oh, not enough front wheel traction, or you know, there's always yep. all things. But pretty much all that stuff <laughs> is distant memories. That things, yeah, that, yeah. You put gas in it and go have a good time. It, it the motor is so good, you can be lazy, you can be aggressive with it. It, it just it'll do anything you want. And suspension, of course, is it's, you know I got Race Tech to do it for for my weight. Um, just phenomenal bike, man. It's skinny now. They yeah. used to be fatter. It, it turns fine. Uh, yeah, I just I'm so impressed with this bike, and I know people are like, whatever, Mathis, Dubok. You know, you you have Yamaha tattooed on your butt, and and they gave me two bikes. You know, um, well, you're the only one that knows that, right? Right. right. My wife. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just saying, like, people are probably just rolling their eyes, but I'm serious. Call Weimer, everybody. Call Weimer. See what he says. You know, I don't know. So yeah, no, that's good to hear. You know, because I. You get those people that still somehow are living in the James Stewart crashing era, mm-hmm. and you know they want to just hold that bike. But it, 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 I said it before, and maybe to you, but the the year that Stewart had all his, you know, just mm-hmm. yard sales and everything going on, that bike won in every other country. You know, I mean, it won in Australia, it won yep. in Canada, it won in Europe, it won everywhere. But the, the problem that that bike had was the the poster child mm-hmm. was having his own little issues. Yeah. You know, the only thing that 
almost saved that bike as he went on to crash his Suzuki and whatever other bikes he rode <laughs> right, right. <laughs> thereafter. Yeah. But people didn't want to really, you know, acknowledge that. They just wanted to, yeah. you know, have have something to talk about. And that was, seemed to be an easy topic. So, yeah, that poor bike. Uh, I'll tell you a funny story. I was in a magazine shootout. can't remember which one doing mm-hmm. Yamaha Support. Yep. And there was a rider that said, I'm really nervous to ride your bike. And I'm like, why? You know, I <laughs> yeah, yeah. was acting stupid. And yeah, he, he said, it just has me scared, all these stories. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. oh, my gosh. You're like, this and is what we're going day, against. I think yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think he picked it second, you know, yeah, and yeah. whatever. He, I think he had raced right. whatever the bike was that he picked first. But he's like, that bike's really good. And right. I'm like, right. well, there you go. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, I know Coppins told me a little bit about it. Uh, he was doing some testing with it. And that first generation, they, they either stiffen the front and soften the rear of the frame or, or vice versa, and that fixed a little bit of an issue they had with the first gen. And then, like you said, mm-hmm. this is now 2019, and this thing has been narrowed and, and made thinner and perfected. And did you guys, were you doing the primary testing? Did they ever throw air forks on and go, hey, Doug, these things are cheaper. Let's try these. We did back before anyone got them, you know, because we, we do this big arm wrestle thing with Callie, or, you know, at least in, in the past it yep. was, yep. where, you know, who's going to get the t- latest technology first? All mm-hmm. right, we'll arm wrestle you for it. And <laughs> I think we had won that year, so we were one of the first companies to be approached to try the Air Force, okay. and it just at that time didn't perform. Yep. And, you know, you know, if you know much about testing at any company oh it's lighter yep. and it's less expensive <laughs> <laughs> right if it doesn't kill the first three riders on hey, it we're taking it that's correct cra- that's like crack to an r&e department right <laughs> oh exactly over to the you know second floor guy right, so right. Save money right and i can put you know two pounds less on the brochure wow you know that's yeah, a yeah. win-win or, right so yeah i mean it would believe me we have the pressure but uh, yeah. You know, I'd have to pat my guys all on the back because we all just said, "Hey, yep. that we're not going to take that step." You yeah. know, it's when it gets better, we'll re, you know, visit the thing. But it just wasn't. And then, just over the years, you know, at that time, our stuff was so very good. You yeah. know, I mean, you couldn't read a shootout, even the, you know, whatever the publication that hated Yamaha put it last. You could still read that it was the best suspension. <laughs> good suspension, of right? So, right. Yeah, you so you couldn't, or we weren't willing yeah. to walk away from the uh, you know having that best suspension, and then it's just funny how it's all come full circle that you know that, right. uh, those things are almost all but gone. I, I ride the bike. I got a smile on my face. I'm like, I don't, I wouldn't change anything with this thing. I just, I, I just wouldn't change anything. I just, I think it's great. Yeah, so, um, <laughs> yeah, no, that's good. I mean, it's. Yeah, I go. I don't race very many races mm-hmm. anymore. But when I go to the vet race, I, I put my pipe on it, you know, mm-hmm. and I pick my the tires I want. And, yeah, you know, Enzo fixes me up to you right. know just the little tweaky things that I want for my speed and everything. Yep. And that, that bike is almost bone stock. You know, people yeah, yeah. talk about all of these other things that they're needing to do to some of their bikes. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that I'm right. still in a position I don't have to pay for stuff, but I couldn't imagine having to do so many other things to right. the bike to get it raceable. But, yeah, so it's, uh, it's a good time to be associated with the Blue Boys. Uh, absolutely. So going back to the first 400, and I was at uh, – where was I? I was uh, at KTM then. So um, I was at KTM, and 
you guys, the, no, I wasn't. I was a privateer. Never mind. I was a privateer mechanic. Anyways, so the first 400 comes out, right? And it obviously, we know about it, groundbreaking, Henry. We know all that stuff, blah, blah, blah. That's not what I want to know about. What I want to know about is the rule back then was 550 cc's. Unbelievable now to think about that. KTM had a 520 <laughs> when I was there. Kelly Smith wrote it a lot. Um, we know that Yamaha eventually went to a 450 after they had a 426, after the first 400. Why did you guys decide on 400? Like, what did you try a bigger CC? Did, why 400 when you first developed the thing? That is a very good question, and Thank I don't you. have a good answer. I know you were waiting for me <laughs> I to was. unload some magic, but I was a little bit surprised when it first came over. Like, oh man, because it. In the very early stages, you know, we're talking in mid-96 when we were first throwing a leg over that thing, uh-huh. it was slow. You know, we're okay. going, ah, man, you know, this thing needs a little more juice. Right. And but that must have been some number that they thought was going to match the... Because the rule you know, was... Because I don't think they were looking to be faster. Yeah, because the rule was 550. So, you know, the rule was 550. So, like, you know, KTM came out with a 520. <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah, well, I think what they didn't want to do was have it be like what everyone pictured a four-stroke being okay. like. Yeah, yeah. Their target was the best possible race bike for that class. Mm-hmm. And so we modeled everything around a 252 stroke. stroke. Ah, got it. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. right. You know, and, and uh, unfortunately, Doug Henry's original works bike, geometry-wise, everything was so two-stroke-esque, it wasn't the best effort at that time, right? And, you know, because I yep. was one of the only guys that rode both bikes, you know, because mm-hmm. as everyone used to rib me, oh, yeah, you're the only guy that can cross the hallway, you know, from yeah, racing yeah, and yeah. testing. Right, but right. I, <clears throat> I was like, oh, man, I hope Doug never rides this production bike because it's way better than that thing he's riding. And, you know, obviously it was all this trickery yep. works. And, but... Geometry-wise, engine character-wise, there was a few things that were like, whoa, man. Really, huh? Yeah, this yeah. other production yep. bike. And I think everyone saw that. Once he got on the production bike, he mm-hmm. went straight out and, and won the championship. So, you know, there was a lot of things that they learned right. with that prototype bike that they put into, you oh. know, just, you know, uh, weight bias-wise and yeah. engine character and just all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, it, I was... A little bit surprised that it was only a 400. Yeah. And just, then, you know, in in its third year when it was 426, that was definitely the motor. I mean, that's still one of my favorite motors until recent, once they got this 450 right. very friendly and usable. Right. But, man, that 426, if you remember, in 03 when that 450 came out, mm-hmm. four-speed, Yep. again, you know, don't blame me. I didn't ask for a four-speed, you know, drag racer. but. Uh-huh. Um, that thing was very difficult to ride. You know, it was, they were somehow wanting to, I think there's a lot of influence from Europe at that time, you know, Stephen yep. Everett was riding, a, I think a three speed at that point. Yeah, we, I was, you know, I was, was the, I was working for ferry and we had three speeds in supercross. We had yeah. counterbalancer yeah. was out and it was a three speed for supercross. Yeah. Yeah. You know? But, you know, to be fair, you don't use more than three gears typically in no. supercross. No. Nope. But, you know, I think, and they were they were using four gears outdoors, and, you know, I just think that was what the engineering side of Yamaha thought, oh, this is the, you uh-huh. know, this is the next step, and they just 
They kind of missed the boat there. So they were just on it, like, yeah, thinking about, hey, if we put a more CCs in this thing, make it bigger, now we're getting into that XR600 type of four-stroke that we don't want, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it, it would have been nice if it was that lazy. <laughs> it certainly well, wasn't that thing. Yeah. I think I made about uh, a trillion dollars selling flywheel weights for that 304 <laughs> YZ450. Um, because you remember when Cooper came, Guy Cooper came back and grabbed that 4 520 and he bumped up to a 540, just grabbing mm-hmm. whole shots for days out of the Nationals. Yeah, yeah. And I was I always just wondered if, if they worked backwards with you. Like, here, Doug, here's a... 470 and you guys worked backwards or no but it was a 400 they rolled out and that's what you tried yeah 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 it was a 400 and then you know we because we were complaining hey you know from because you got to remember i mean you're you're aware that you know we're always a couple years ahead so by the time that thing was even hitting the market we were already riding the 426 yes exactly just because Two years before, when that thing originally came out, we're like, "Oh, not quite." You yeah, know, let's yep. let's get a little more. <laughs> so, and then <clears throat> I'm not sure which came first, the chicken or the egg, mm-hmm. as far as you know the, that 450 rule, because you know Honda's first attempt in '02 was 450, and yep. then yep. that's kind of you know motivated everyone to hit that mark because then that's what the rule went to. And yeah, yeah. So again, I can't remember timing which way went first. What was you the know, if Honda wrote the rule book or Honda obeyed the new rule? I right. Can't yeah. Who knows? Uh, knowing Honda, they just made it up. Some they they told the AMA <laughs> what it was going to be. Um, That's right. That's right. right. They just said, "Hey, hi, AMA. It's going to be 450." And AMA went, "Okay, cool." Um, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, when when you did ride the first 400, did someone or you tell you, "Hey, EFI is going to come. Just wait. We haven't figured it out yet, but you'll you'll be riding EFI at some point." Not in no. that first, uh, you know, kind of wave of that bike, yep. you know, 400, 426. Um, <clears throat> that was always a kind of an internal discussion mm-hmm. that we had. And, you know, especially kind of 250F came out, yep. and that thing had such unique requirements that carburetor wasn't really getting the job done, you know, because mm-hmm. you bring it indoors. You know, outdoors, I think it was, you know, very small problems but you know that first you know supercross bike they built man they were all scratching their heads you know trying to get that thing and and when the honda came along same thing you know it it wasn't just a yamaha problem it was a small bore uh high requirements you know low velocity you know so that was really i I think started that process of everyone going okay we got to get rid of this this carbureted thing because we can't mm-hmm. get things to happen right. quick enough. So I uh, because I think you know, EFI took them ten years, but hey. yeah, EFI came out like oh yeah. nine, right, twenty ten, and I remember I was at Yamaha with Bob Oliver, and Bob was like, EFI is coming. I don't know when, but they're going to do it. And I'm like, really? You really think it's going to happen? He's like, yep. Took him a while, but uh, so yeah, so you never <laughs> never really tried it um, at all, or never really had any sort of yeah. Well, you know. we didn't have any early early stuff. You right, know? I right. mean, we obviously got it before the the bikes um, you know came production. Yep. We were riding it a couple of years before, but it's not like we had all these crazy mm-hmm. things from Europe or anything. So I know they everybody had some strange version they did but yes. uh at yep. that point none of those were any good so i think that was making everybody worried but you know once we got our first efi bike then mm-hmm. yeah it was very good 
What, in all your years of testing, two strokes, four strokes, and everything else for Yamaha over the years, um, what is something that you directly had an influence on that really worked? Either a bike, either a specific model or a specific, specific uh, uh, invention or a specific thing that you were like, hey, listen, guys, this is what we got to do. Butler, this is what we got to do. Uh, uh, Scheider, Ed, this is what we got to do. Uh, eh, that's a really hard one to put. Okay. You know, like for me to say, hey, you know, that was mine. I, I can hang my hat on that one item. Mm-hmm. You know, I just think I was, uh, you know, pretty. Uh, valuable part of the whole process along the way because you got to remember that engineering wise you don't have as much wiggle room as you think you do you know there was some things like uh, there's a funny old ed shidler story where on the old 125 those little stamped plates up by the head tube Uh that were welded left right side of the frame well Mm -hmm. some of the racing guys were welding a tube across just the, those holes, you okay. know, filling those holes in. Yep. You guys may have done it on some bikes, but so when all that was just starting to come down the pipe, we got a production frame like that, you know, very early staging, you know, pre-proto or something. And man, that thing was horrible. And we we chased forks for probably four months, and then finally <laughs> Scheidler, in just a fit of rage, threw the bike on its side and got his die grinder oh, out. Stop it! Really. Started, <laughs> yeah, just cutting the weld. And the look on, I wish, you know, it was before everyone had a yeah, cell phone yeah. with a camera in it, but the look on this Japanese guy, it's the only frame in existence. <laughs> and this Japanese guy is just freaking out. And you know what's going through his mind is, oh, what's my boss is going to cut my head off? Yeah. And uh, sure enough, started popping those welds, those three tubes. The bike was great again. Well, and then they're trying to tell us, oh, no, it's too late. We can't change that. And then I guess that's a whole other story. Yes, yeah, yeah. I, wasn't in that, I wasn't in that meeting, but apparently Ed was pretty animated, oh, red boy. face, screaming at everyone. Then. <laughs> and the following year, they didn't have the tube welded across there. So, Oh, go figure. Some, <clears throat> there's some of that stuff that you know yeah. you feel like you did have a direct yep. part of, even though it's not like my idea i mean yeah. i did tell ed i go hey yeah. those tubes in there it's making the frame too stiff yeah, but, yeah yeah you know it's it's pretty funny and everyone credits me with building the original 400 everyone tells me oh yeah yeah you built that in your garage right yeah, yeah. you know <clears throat> i was such a you know integral part of it and right. then just along the way you know i yamaha kept you know using me as this kind of poster child so i don't know how, right. how all that came along but i've had more people tell me that man i can't believe you did such a good job on that bike right you know how big is your garage <laughs> <laughs> um did you ever ride the ym 500 well it took me until about three years ago oh to finally threw a leg over you, one but you, you did one of those nations at the vet race no, I went to France and uh, Lagapé, and there was a. It's kind of hard to explain the event, but a very small event. Okay. But I got kind of you know through this person through that person, and then all they had to do was say, "Hey, you can ride a YZM 500." I'm like, "Dude, I'm there." Really? Huh? Oh, care. that's cool. And it's it's pretty. You know, I definitely oversold it. <laughs> and then the other part of the equation was. It, it, those bikes, I think a lot of them that still exist were kind of old scrap or yeah, throwing yeah. away or right. whatever. So they got rebuilt maybe without the right forks or I heard the there right was, carburetor. I heard there's four of them in existence. 
It might be more because the guy I rode his, he said he had a second one that's a show bike only. Oh, really? Oh, okay. So there might be more out there. But so here's the other side of the story. I had a chance to ride one in '88. I was in Europe doing uh-huh. some international races, it's just goofy stuff, you yeah, know, yeah. putting a few bucks in my pocket. And I knew Vimon's mechanic, Michelle, uh-huh. kind of well through Jim Castillo. And right. so we were all, he's like, hey, yeah, you want to ride this thing? And I'm like, oh. I'll get a chat. You know, I'm thinking, oh, they'll, you know, they'll be everywhere here. Yeah, yeah, time. yeah, yeah. Or, or I'll ride one back home. You know, yep. one will come about. And I'm like, ah, because he was basically going to let me do a lap or two after this race. Yep. In, in on, uh, you know, this track in France we were racing. Yep. I'm like, nah. <laughs> of course, you know, 28 yep. years later or something, I finally. You know, got to so, claw my way onto some other kind of half version of it. But it was great. Yeah, I, know, I, I, mean, just, I, I heard they weren't that good, to be honest. I did hear that, that they weren't that great. Um, but uh, I know that Jackie complained about it. It yep. was too much flex. I mean, right. they were trying to replicate a steel frame with aluminum, which we all know mm-hmm. now that yes. that's not the way to do it. Yeah. So, um, but And then here's one other little piece of that whole story. My kid, who was probably 11 or 12 at the time, mm-hmm. I go, put this helmet on, get on that bike. No, Dad, that's a 500. I'm like, put this helmet on, get on that bike. Because in 20 years, you can tell that story to yeah. somebody, and yep. it'll mean something. So, yeah. yeah, my then 11-year-old kid rode it up and down the oh, that's pit funny. area. That's awesome. Because um, <laughs> I'm like, I missed this opportunity 30 yeah. years ago. You're not going to. Right. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, so uh, also, uh, early 90s in Japan, there was an aluminum frame YZ250 that they had. Did you ride that mm-hmm. there? I did ride that. Just, it wasn't an official test. Okay. I just rode, it was there. Mm-hmm. And I rode it around Hamakita Trail Land, mm-hmm. which, if you ask Butler, Preston, anybody, is the worst track on, <laughs> on the planet. But um, so okay. I, I rode it around. I, it doesn't even leave an impression in my head. Okay. All right. So um, yeah, it was just. Uh, I I remember it not being great, and I thought, oh, maybe it's just suspension, or you know, maybe right. it just didn't feel all that good to me. 81 RM125. I saw you comment on Tony Blazer's uh, Instagram post the other day. Of course, it's an inst- it, the story with you is that you rode them until 83. I think you kept buying them new or something like that. But is that the second greatest bike ever besides this new YZ450? Well said, because I think what I commented on on Blazer's was I made more money on that one bike than I think I ever have since. Right. You know, even though my my one Supercross win, I probably made thirty grand or something, or mm-hmm. forty grand that night. Yeah. I probably made that much money on that bike because I rode, I bought it used for like five hundred and fifty bucks, and I just kept racing it. And I kept racing <laughs> that's, parts that's of it. Racing. It was that same. I rode it for about a year and a half, mm-hmm. and you could race two, three times a week, or or you could race more, but that's what I was racing at that time. Yep. You know, and I, I might have, you know, only made it, you know, 85 bucks at a time. But after you win, you know, about 190 races right. over the 18 months, it, it adds up. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, no, that was, I think everybody agrees, you know, that there's certain bikes that come along yep. that are just a little ahead of their time. And mm-hmm. that clearly was one of those bikes. And imagine Bombers. It was probably even better, you know, his works bike, right? Oh, like, yeah. Gosh, uh, I couldn't even imagine. Every time I see a photo of either Bomber. Or it was a raw here. I think he had 
the one in Europe. Yep. Yep. Those bikes, they just look so cool. And you know how good the production one was. That works one must have just been unreal. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right. Let's get into some uh, what if questions uh, that I have for you. <laughs> so in 89, if RJ doesn't break his wrist, do we, how many more titles does he have and how many less titles does Stanton have? <laughs> how many more? That's a great question. How many more years do you think RJ had in him? He seems to forget that. Right. Uh, I bet he was still pretty young and, uh, you know, just, he, he was that guy. He had so many, you know, it's just like the McGrath era or the karma. You know, he mm-hmm. had those guys so brainwashed in, you know, I mean, the, the yeah, pecking yeah. order was etched into everyone's mind. Yep. And Ricky was the bad boy. I mean, he, you know, I think the first mistake he made, other than not getting clear of store back, was right. allowing Stanton to come live and train with him. Because yeah. that, that bridged that gap pretty quick. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of us remember that <clears throat> R.J. faltered fell down and let Stanton win Atlanta at Atlanta. Yeah. And then the next very next week was Gainesville where he got hurt. And mm-hmm. then that was the end, mm-hmm. you know, so I would have loved to have been able to see how that would have unfolded. Okay. I gave you that one. Cause I fell down. You're never going to beat me again. Or was that truly this little this subtle changing of the guard? Yeah. Yeah. It, it, it would, we'll it's, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, he was, he was leading, He'd won five in a row in '89, lost at Atlanta, then broke his wrist, and then I just wonder when his when he would have stopped winning because he probably would have won in '89. Ninety was yep. probably good, right? And and then who knows how it goes? So, well, you never know. But uh, the Jean-Michel Bale thing that would have been interesting seeing a healthy RJ against mm-hmm. Bale. Yeah, because nobody knows. You know, yep. we'll never know. Right. Stanton. You know, really only beat Bale when Bale decided to pack up and go <laughs> yeah. road racing. You know, yeah. I mean, in all honesty, yep. You know, well, yeah, Bale in, was in ninety. Bale phenomenal. missed. Bale missed two races and finished whatever six points back or something. In ninety, yeah, ninety one he wins, and ninety two he <laughs> sleepwalk sleepwalks through the season. You know, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. so that brings me to the next. Well, actually, let me is. Is it possible, Doug, that RJ and I was just talking to uh, Greg Fox? I did a podcast with Greg Fox, Pete, Pete's brother, you know, um, mm-hmm. and we he he had he had so much great things to say about RJ, and and is it possible that we underrate RJ, Doug, just how great he was? Well, I, I don't. Okay, but I do think yeah. the public does because I think the public is so quick to forget mm-hmm. how great any of these individuals were, you know, a Ron Lachine. You know, I think a lot of them have already forgotten how great Carmichael was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably, right. Because right. it's just, oh, yeah, isn't that that guy that's, uh, you know, an ounce of Supercross? <laughs> he, he raced, right? You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah. so it is yeah. so, it's sad how quickly we forget. But, yeah, you, you look at an RJ and you look at what that guy did in his rookie year. I mean, short of a broken wheel mm-hmm. at uh, Castle Rock, he would have won the title against a lot of fast guys as a stinking hundred and what eighteen yeah. pound rookie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, so people do forget how incredibly talented that guy was. And, you know, to go up against those factory Hondas on, you yes. know, hey, we're the Yamaha, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna, ride we're gonna jump bikes. onto this whole production <laughs> rule ahead of time, you yeah, know, we're yeah. that cool. Right. And he still wins. Right. So you know that 
and it's funny kind of talking about individual riders. You know, I, I have to just kiss Brock's feet anytime I see him now because the fact that he even led Bailey oh. in any given moto on that freaking bike amazing. is yep. it, it's amazing. I've always so, said that's, yeah, a, I mean, that's, that's a massively underrated part. Bailey worked him in 84. Bailey destroyed Brock in 84 and uh, was mm-hmm. then on the 85 Honda and somehow Brock beats him before Bailey got hurt. Like, incredible. Incredible. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Okay. So does Jeremy win in 93 if JMB is still around and still motivated? I don't – well, obviously, I don't know. Right. It's going to be the – No, this, the is, yeah, this answer, is the bench racing, right. This is this is those one of those things that you know there and there's several that you go man I wish I could somehow figure out a time machine and <laughs> kind of replace the pieces in this puzzle and see yeah. how it would truly turn out because Bale was amazing Jeremy had his strengths but he also had his weaknesses mm-hmm. so his ability to come in and kind of you know, shake everything up and, you know, force Stanton to retire a little early, in my opinion. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, just the way he could do it, just his charisma and his pure bike skills did a lot. I think Bale had all those qualities and maybe a little more in some ways. You know, mm-hmm. I think it's always a different set of strengths and weaknesses. And, you know, you you never know how they would pair up. Right. What, what really would come when those guys go head-to-head, because that's where the weaknesses really surface, is once you get put all these guys, you know, you put a you know, a muskin in with a dungy, and then, you know, you throw in the whomever else yep. in there. Yep. Then all of a sudden you see, oh, okay, there's a weakness that I didn't see before because mm-hmm. he was never never asked to do that. Right. that well for that long kind of thing, you know, and it's uh, that that is something that is obviously unanswered, but mm-hmm. I would have loved to have seen it because uh, you and I both watched Bale ride, and that guy, yeah. he just had a way, you know, almost like a machine. He saw the racing surface different than most of the rest of us. Yeah. He just had that ability, you know, where, and here's a kind of an interesting take. I sat in the stands at Bercy, uh, I broke my ankle in Japan mm-hmm. like the week before, and they wanted – so this was the end of 91. They wanted all of the Supercross winners because there was like six different ones that okay. year, six or seven. But they wanted us all in Bercy. Well, I couldn't ride, but they still you know, wanted me there for the ceremony yep. and all that. So I got to watch all the nights Bradshaw against Bale. And, you, you know, you yeah, talk yeah. about Damon was about as talented in his strengths – Mm-hmm. as anyone could ever be. You know, that guy could just do things on a bike, but then you, you introduce Bale, mm-hmm. and you know, Bale rode around, feet on the pegs. Mm-hmm. I don't think he – I think the bike was still loaded up, and he's going by <laughs> Damon, passing him and winning. Yeah. You know, and Damon's – you know, I think the throttle cable is about a quarter inch longer <laughs> by the end of the main event. Right. And, you know, we all know how Damon rode. Yeah. So that, to me, was one of the, the very just stark – you know, um, I want to say controversy, but no, contrast. Contrast, and yeah. It was yeah. such a stark contrast, these two guys, and, you know, it opened my eyes to a lot of just, you know, riding and mm-hmm. how people approach a race and, you know, who does what and why, and I just thought that was so cool. So 
Yeah, what would that have looked like? Because Jeremy was just, you know, he had all that BMX background, and he was just, he was so skilled, first guy to let the nose drop, you know, all of us. Yeah, jump like you know when you catch a marlin in the ocean, you know, kind of wiggling in the air with the front end high. Right. So you know he brought a little bit of a new era through, but yeah, you he, know, was that enough? Yeah, he's bi- you know people like to say, oh, he was lucky. There was no one to race against. It was still some guys. I mean, oh, I, 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 you know, kind of that deep pack of you know Jeff Wards and Larocco's and Stanton's. There was a bunch of guys that kind of went. Mm-hmm. Oh crap! Yeah, I can't win I, anymore. We'll let this guy win for a while. So, I, I mean, was, there's some truth to that, but I don't know. As a as a fan, I was so surprised that Stanton and ba- and Bradshaw just had nothing for this kid, number fifteen. I'm just like, when, when are you guys gonna? When are you turning it on? When are you when are you gonna get back to your '92 battle? You know, but they never did. They never did. But um, if you kind of there's some other little things in there that you know may or may not have been noticed by anyone you know stanton was i never the fastest guy no he was just the most consistent guy so and that won him you know six titles you know you just look at his uh, mm-hmm. instagram yeah six time jeff yep. but so obviously he had enough speed to get a lot done but mm-hmm. when you come in and that's why bradshaw would beat him on any given day that bradshaw decided he wanted to beat him yeah but, you know, when, when the wheels came off the Damon, you know, right. wagon, I guess we'll use that for, you know, a, a web reference. <laughs> but, you know, when the wheels would come off Damon's ride, it would just be like, ah, oh, dang it. Yeah. But when he wanted to ride, I mean, look at San Jose, the race that I won. Yep. Damon gets stuck in the gate mm-hmm. and passes Stanton on the last lap. Yeah. Yep. You know, it nearly passed me. Yeah. Thank goodness he got stuck in the gate. But, <laughs> yes. you know, yeah. and then he goes whatever, you know, whatever other races, and he can't even pass Guy Cooper, who, if, you know, nothing against Guy. Guy yeah, is yeah. a phenomenal rider, but in a normal day, Damon could ride right by all of us. If I told you so, in 88 that the guy number eight on a YZ490 or 87, let's say, your teammate, one of your semi-teammates, was going to be a six-time champion, you, you would have been... Yeah. You, you would have said no way. No. No. Yeah. No. Right. Yeah, I would have just went, oh, okay, yeah, that's a nice story. Right, right, right. Because, yeah, he never had that raw speed, that machine speed, or, yeah. you know, just that ability to go faster than anyone, but he had that ability to grind him into right. the ground. You know, he was just, and he was very calculated, you know, and mm-hmm. just all, you know, he had good racecraft. That was something that really took him mm-hmm. to getting those 50 points a day or 47 was, points yeah. a day. You know, I mean, yeah. just racking the points up. Great stuff from Doug Dubok. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Fly Racing, flyracing.com. Please check them out. Maxis Tires, Alpine Stars, uh, and also Slick Wash Products. Uh, I want to thank I want to thank those guys for coming on board. Thank you, people, for listening. Use the code Steve at slickwash.com um, to save on your wash your next wash purchase. Thanks to Racetech, too. Ben LeMay, rocking Racetech out there, making main events very underrated, using Racetech motors, Racetech suspension. Uh, Tyler Medaglia, Michael Lessie using Racetech suspension. Mookie won Montreal Supercross on Racetech suspension. So you know the name. You've been around a long time, and uh, they've started back in, like uh, I think, like 83, 82 or something. Paul Thede at Racetech, one of the smartest guys in the industry. If you need some motor work done, performance stuff, or just simply maintenance or suspension work done, for your weight and or speed, Racetech.com has got you covered. Pulp19 is the code, so show your bike some love. Use Racetech. 
And yeah, I'd appreciate it. And so would Race Tech. Fly Racing, Racer X Podcast with Doug Dubach. Here's part two. What did you say, uh, if anything, or maybe you weren't even there or whatever, 92 Coliseum to Damon? He, he's gone on record. He's told us many times that you are his only teammate that he ever liked. Um, well, I think that's because I probably I, I know that I didn't say two words to him. Okay. You know, right. I, yeah. Yeah. There was nobody that could have squeezed in more any words, you know, with Lunas going crazy bonkers. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. No, I was there because yep. – I, if you remember, uh, Coop and I got together in the heat race, oh, okay. and I had re-injured a, a wrist that I had injured earlier in the year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think I went out and qualified in the semi, and just about halfway through the main, I cased something. And so I remember pulling into the mechanics area and just not wanting to leave because I'm watching this whole disaster yeah. just unfold, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So, yes, the, I was there. It was bad, yep. and everybody loves the conspiracy theories of they that do. whole thing. Yep, I mean, they do. They do love it. Unfolded, yep. you know. Which give me your best conspiracy theory of that? Uh, he had an automatic renewal for his contract for I think he had a three year three hundred thousand dollar deal or something, and he had mm-hmm. an automatic renewal if he won the Supercross title at like three fifty or something. I don't know whatever it was, and he mm-hmm. threw it. Because if he won this, if he could get more money that way, if he, you know. But who asked him? I guess that's I can't, that's the pretty general one. Who's the one that put him up to it? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't. That was that, hey, that was all because that that's the whole. Uh, you I mean, know, Dave from, Stevenson, I right? Know. It would be Dave, his agent, right? But I don't know. But yeah, it, I, I was told by you know people that think they knew that it was yeah Dave and Randy, you know uh, Damon's father. Yeah. That, put this whole thing together and, you know, had spider charts and everything and but, got him. But you heard the same theory that I did. Me, that you've heard the same thing I did, right? Yeah, I've yeah. heard all the same yeah, yeah, stuff yeah, right. and other little blown up things. But right. to me, Damon was that guy. If he, if there was a problem, if there was something going on in his head, Yep, it was it. Yeah, yeah. You know, and, yep. and I just think that's what it was. The pressure got to him mm-hmm. and no more no less and i've never asked him because I, it's none of my business mm-hmm. i don't care he'd probably lie to me anyway just right. to protect his, himself but yeah the, those were uh that was a bad day it was it was um and and don't forget it was rescheduled right for the la riots like who knows what happens if the race runs on time and damon's got some mo- yeah. momentum going right so yeah um, yeah uh, all right, just a couple more. Uh, what's your best dogger story that that is that you can PG that you can keep it PG? <laughs> uh, I, hey, I got a good PG one. Okay. So, Troy, Ohio, uh-huh. five hundred national. Yep. And it's you know at least three hundred degrees <laughs> right. and probably a thousand percent humidity. As Troy can be, right? Yep. As Troy can be, and was almost every year I went there. Uh-huh. And so. Uh, uh, we're all up on the podium. Uh, I'd love to just, you know, leave it at that like I got on the podium that day, but I didn't, but I whole shot it. So mm-hmm. I was up there getting my giant styrofoam check. Yep. And so I'm standing there talking to Ward. He's just about naked because he's, <laughs> he's dying of the heat, right? Yep. And Dogger's got the checkered flag doing a parade lap afterwards. Right. Right? Yep. And Wardy's, I mean, I thought I was going to have to give Wardy like mouth to mouth because he had raced hard for the win. 
or no, raced mm-hmm. hard to beat RJ points wise or something. Right, right. And you know, Dogger Dogger beat him by thirty seconds both motos. <laughs> and and Wardy turns to me, I go, man, that was a hot one. Yeah, we're talking back and forth. And he goes, watch when Dogger gets back, he is not even going to be sweating. And I'm like, no way. You know, we're back and forth. Back. <laughs> sure enough, the guy comes back. Takes his helmet off. He looks like he had just come from the snack bar. I'm like, <laughs> what the heck? Yeah. So that to me was just, you know, blows your mind. Right. You know how much goes into racing and just, it, all the little idiosyncrasies, mm-hmm. everything yeah. that goes on. But yep. you know, later I thought, well, he was probably so dehydrated from drinking all night, he didn't have anything <laughs> inside to sweat. Right. Wardy told me a good one too. One day at Washougal, he's like, ah, Dogger's on it. Like, I got nothing for him today. He likes Washougal. It's 500s. He's on it. So Dogger took him down, the, or Wardy took him down the first turn. He's like, I got I got, I can't beat this guy. I got to take him down. <laughs> I think there's a good photo uh, on the cover of MXA of that crash. Is that the same? I don't know if that's the same one or not. Yeah, that, that's got Al Dick on it. I know that was a 500 day because yep. I was on the 360. Yep. And I know uh, you can barely see my helmet, a very nice Troy Lee painted helmet, mm-hmm. as Lanson's running over the back of my head. So yes. I don't know if it was that day or not. Uh, and also, by but, the way, uh, trivia, trivia note, too. Our multi-time Canadian champion, Al Dick, is also one of the guy on the ground, which we, being from Canada, we were very happy that our rider made the cover, even if he was just laying on made the ground. Made the cover? Right. Even, if, even if he was under a pile of bikes? Yeah. I do remember that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah even if he was, was under, in there. We were like, cool, look, Al made the cover of MXA. Oh, he's getting run over, but uh, whatever. Um, uh, all right, man. Uh, I, I didn't want to take up too much of your time. I, I, I've got more questions, but but we. I, I promise you. No, go ahead. Shoot him. Oh, you, we'll go. We'll be quick. Okay, we got, got some more. I got a few more minutes. All right. Uh, who was the guy? Well, actually, let me. This is a little bit maybe before your time because you. I don't know when did you turn pro? Eighty four, eighty five. Well, AMA pro doing nationals. Yeah, yeah. eighty four. Okay, but I was a local guy from. So you know did. Did Wardy <laughs> did Wardy ride did Wardy ride backwards in '85, and deserve to you know get fined and and not win that Supercross title in '85? I I yeah clearly he rode backwards but right right was that enough to have I, a penalty and they ultimately lose the title? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Okay, you All know right. it's. It's the I still struggle with a lot of things that I see, and I you know I'm, I'm that angry old guy screaming at the TV. Right. But it's it, to me, you know, when you have sport, you've got to have a set of rules, mm-hmm. and you know that's those are the guidelines in which we conduct. We have some you know uh, reasonable uh, I don't know sanity to the whole event. And if something happens, you know, you've got to make a good judgment call mm-hmm. of that. Yep. Unfortunately, there's too many outside influences on these poor guys, whoever they actually, you know, put the fire to and say, hey, you know, is he get penalized or not? And these guys, half of them don't have, you know, hair on their ass to make their own decisions. So, you know, they've got all these bullets flying at them. And, yeah, obviously that was a bad choice. Right. Now- but. Yeah, Brock. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Brock had said. How uh, can you do that to a guy that works so hard yeah. to accomplish something, and then go, "Oh, by the way, yeah, right. this little thing over here that you know you were almost forced to do because you know in the position you were in, mm-hmm. that was kind of the safest or that made the most sense." Right. Yeah. So I can't. 
I can't get behind penalizing somebody for something like that. Uh, because Brock's thing is, hey, I was penalized at the at the USGP for doing it earlier that year, or somebody, or Bailey was, somebody was, Bailey was, I think, mm-hmm. and and so he's like, that was yeah. the, that was the thing, like riding backwards to get your bike started. Stop doing that, you know. So, anyways, um, yeah. Uh, okay, did you ever get to ride a factory Honda? Uh, let me think. Let me think. <laughs> I rode a sort of factory <laughs> Honda. Okay. It just had some works parts on it, but uh, okay. It's a dark, deep, secret <laughs> place as to how and when. But yeah, I, I did ride kind of okay something like that at one point. And how was it? But it was very good. I mean, the forks were. <laughs> Right. Well, as you know, my friend Dean Dickinson likes to say that you know it's all tongue in cheek, obviously. But for an amount of time there, Honda could pull a guy out of the stands and win on their bike. <laughs> they, yeah, I mean, Diamond because they yeah. they definitely somewhere in some second floor meeting decided we want to win. Yeah, all of this stuff, you know, that there, mm-hmm. that there, that there. Yeah, we want to yeah. go win that, and uh, <laughs> here's the open checkbook to do so. Yeah, and uh, you know, obviously they they were, did a good job picking riders and doing every all the other pieces to that. But right. yeah, they they were so far ahead there for many many years that it was. Dude, just look at like uh, like look at George Holland who struggled for years alongside Kehoe. He would win and do all right and everything else. He gets on a factory Honda, boom. He wins. Mickey Diamond goes from an 80, 85 Husqvarna 500 to national champion. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. it's phenomenal. He's a national champion. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I know. And Lampson, you know, same thing. Yep. Yep. And I love Steve. Yeah. You know, he, he and I, we had a lot going on together and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we raced those 360s together right. uh, in 89 for the 500 nationals. But yeah, here you go. You know, and he was a good rider and all that, but all of a sudden, boom, two national titles in a row. And right. So, right. Yeah, there's a, there was a little something there, but, you know, it's it's uh, right. it's all good. Um, know, it's, uh, if somebody's going to push the envelope like that, it kind of makes everyone else step up. Right. Um, now the end of 88, Brock Glover, who had delivered, you know, a ton of championships and wins to Yamaha over the years. Uh, they're basically letting him go. He wins the final supercross of the year though. Um, my, on, my first podium. Let me add that. Oh, okay. My All right. First supercross podium. What was that like after 1988, right? 1988 Coliseum. Um, yep. should they have let Brock glow or should they have kept him? I think. It, they should have left it more up to him on because I have the same bone to pick. You know, you can put insert name here, McGrath. Yeah. Uh, you know, Stefan Ever. Right. I, I don't know what it was about the management there that made these black and white, cut and dry mm-hmm. decisions. Because to me, motocross is such a family. Just you know, I mean, you look at. I can name a million different reasons why. But these guys lay their life on the line, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. literally yeah. for yep. you guys to go sell motorcycles. So there, there's got to be something on the other side of that, you know. And oh yeah, they paid him a gazillion dollars and they, they wiped his butt and you know got him a gold watch or whatever they think they did. But at the end of the day, you you do that and you develop all these relationships over years because everyone's sticking their neck out and that builds a bond. You know, mm-hmm. my kids' best friends aren't school friends. They're 
you know, sports friends because everyone's kind of got that, oh, yeah, we've all lived that same hell, so let's yeah. kind of relish in that, and, and, and that forms a bond. So for a company like that to just go, uh, we're done with you, and, and I can understand it from their side, oh, well, yeah, we got no loyalty, we're a corporation. We just say, well, okay, bring in the yeah. next guy. Yeah. But to me, I, I don't agree with that at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, I'm kind of with you, right? It's a it's a hard sport that way, but yeah, you got to make these decisions or whatever. So the story is Brock won the one won the main event, came back. There was everybody was gone, everyone was gone from Yamaha. Just I think John R was only the only guy there. I don't know if you remember that. Wow. Well, my memory of that night was, you know, as happy as could be because yeah, you know, I got you, my first Supercross podium. Yeah. You know, I'd never even ridden a whole year of Supercross. I only rode kind of the local one. You mm-hmm. know, I mean, yep. there were so many great things going on for me. But then once the dust kind of settled down, and I tried to get in my Ford F-150 van, and the doors were locked, it took me a little while to figure out that Jim Hawley was using my van as an hourly hotel. <laughs> but so, you know, because I think you could pull that fence up pretty easy, the fence that kept right. the spectators out. Yeah. And so, you know, Jim, I think, invited a guest in. So that was kind of a – that's what I remember about that, after the 88 if you <laughs> had, Coliseum race. You could almost tell me any story with Jim Hawley, and I would believe it. I'll, I, 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 You could tell me anything – like, hey, I was with Jim, and he found some aliens, and, you know, we had a spaceship. I'd be like, yep, that sounds about right with, with Jim. That sounds about right. Right. Uh, that's, I mean, that's the G-rated version, but that, yeah. uh, that when I think about, other than being elated getting my first Supercross podium, mm-hmm. yeah. that's you know, the next thing that I remember about that night. You know, I actually... Hey, now, how come my van's locked? <laughs> I should actually... I should be mad at you, I think, because here's my whole thing with Holly, and I've told him this many times, like, publicly... So Jim gets a shot at Factory Yamaha. He's number 12 in 1986. He gets a full factory ride, right? Uh, he's been a good yep. privateer for a long time, probably on your level before you, right? And just like you, got mm-hmm. a shot. Yep. Jim goes from number 12 to number 10, which is gnarly, and that's great. And he gets a couple fourths in Supercrosses, and he has a good year. He's number 10 overall, of course, in the old number system. And Yamaha yep. cuts him. And he sticks with Yamaha. And I'm like, Jim. That you just you got number ten overall. You you delivered, and that you still rode Yamahas. Like what the hell? But maybe they decided to take you instead, Doug. I, I don't know. I never worked. I never did that math. Yeah, yeah maybe that's why Jimmy jumped in my van. Right, <laughs> right, right. He was all pissed <laughs> off. So hey, you're still mad. Yeah, you left a little something in there for me. I was, um, no, I, yeah, I, it, it's funny you say all that because now that you say it, it, it does. I remember that sort of all happening. But yeah. You know, when I was first on with Yamaha, like 87 mm-hmm. is when I can really remember those first years, we had such a giant program. Yep. I mean, we had the, the only factory guys were, uh, was it Brock and Mickey, I think. In 80, no. Uh, no, 87 would have been Leask. Oh, 88 would have been Mickey. Yeah, Mickey. Right. Yeah, so at 87, 88, kind of, it's running together a little, but. The we had such a big B level. I don't know why Jimmy didn't stick around. You know, maybe I was an insult to him, but I mean, we had Larocco, we had Mike Craig, yeah, you know, Ward, Larry Ward, Sean Kalo, Larry Ward, Larry Ward, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we had a pretty stacked B team right. at that time. So I don't know if maybe there was just too much, and Jimmy said, "Oh, you know, I've had a good time, thank you." And yeah, yeah. 
Um, I'm on my way. Yeah, that was 87 because I remember LaRocco won his first 125 moto down in Texas that oh. year, 559. Did you ever race a GP outside of, you know, the U.S. GPs? No. Never did? Which okay. Yep. Nev- nope. That's killed me because, you know, later I ended up doing a lot of racing in Europe, but all international stuff, you know, whatever, in France and Italy and just kind of warm-up races or in-between races. But, yeah, I never, never did race a GP outside of the U.S. Yep. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I, I would have so thought you would have got a, a bummer. Sh- yeah, I would have thought you would have got a shot somewhere along the line. Yeah. Um, yeah, one would think. But I think kind of a lot of my time was filled in with testing, you know, because I was either doing production testing, race testing. So mm-hmm. in a lot of those years, I didn't run off like the Larry Wards and you yeah, know, yeah. everybody else is really, right. not just Larry, but to go make that money because my card was already filled. You know, I'm yep. just on a bike, on a bike, on a bike. And then, yeah, it wasn't until a little bit later that I um, started doing a lot of that stuff. Okay. Next one, Kiefer loves to talk about gear. Chris Kiefer, nobody loves motocross gear like Chris Kiefer. And I'm also blowing, <laughs> and blowing out berms, right, as also. Um, what was your best? You've got to keep that on the download. Yeah. He might actually listen to this. Yeah, but, yeah he might. That's know. a good point. Um, well, he'll, and he'll know that I planted that seed, so we've got to <laughs> – <laughs> uh what was the best year for O'Neill gear for you? What 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 year did you like your look? You know, I liked my stuff in I want to say 90 like 91, 92, 93, right in there. Okay. They had some pretty cool looking stuff. Was that the stuff that when O'Neill like wrapped around your leg? A little bit? Um, yeah, a little bit, but they had some cool colors. You know, they had, okay. like, these kind of aqua greens, and then the jersey tied in, even though, you know, Jim only bought, like, 100% cotton long sleeve shirt, right, and, right, you know, right. put his stuff on it. But, yeah. no, we had, I thought the color schemes and just the look of it in those years were good. All right. Your favorite? Yeah, so your, probably, like, early 90s. Early 90s look. Okay, your favorite Troy Lee helmet? Yeah. Oh, that's easy. That was my 90. Uh, three helmet. It was a little McGrath esque. Okay. And uh, I had, you know, it, it were the little bubbles on it, and the, he called them ligaments. You know, where he kind of pulled uh, a different color through the middle of it. You know, like a gray in that mm-hmm. inside of all the other brighter colors. Uh, so I think that I I might have that ninety two, ninety two, ninety three. That was that was a pretty. That was probably my favorite. Right. Helmet. Um, okay, so I'm doing a few more here. We'll wrap it up on the Fly Racing Race Rex podcast with uh, Doug Dubuck. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm doing a podcast with Brian Manley coming up here shortly, and it got me thinking about, mm-hmm. about guys like Manley, guys like Storbeck when he wasn't a factory rider, um, et cetera, et cetera. Who was a privateer in your era, so mid-'80s to you know mid-'90s, uh, who mm-hmm. was a privateer in your era that should have got a ride and didn't? Ooh, I'd put Manley on that list. Would you? Yeah, yeah, he'd be in there. He's, he's certainly not the only guy. Cause I got a great Brian Manley story. That we were kind of traveling together, not in the same van, but mm-hmm. you know, yep. one van following the other, and you know, all the struggles. Yeah, I think that was eighty six or eighty seven. Yep. And you know, just going through all in one night at dinner, we all went out. It was the night before. I think it might have been Axton. Okay. 
And he's just F this, F that. You know, I work so hard, I try this and that. So he orders the biggest slab of prime rib I think I have ever seen and just eats every bit of it. Like, F this. I'm like going totally against the grain. And he went out there and got like fourth. <laughs> Perfect, right? Perfect. <laughs> yeah, it looked um, perfect. Or, you know, I, I thought, like, I think about a guy like Cooper who was, he got a shot, so he doesn't apply for this list, but Coop was a mm-hmm. good privateer for a long time, you know, and worked his way up. But, exactly. But, but a guy but, like yeah, that. You look a little deeper, some of those other guys, like a Greg Zitterkoff. A lot of guys don't even know that name, but that guy, yep. again, 85, I believe it was, he drove around in a little short bed. Uh, I think it was Dotson Toyota, some little tiny mini truck mm-hmm. with a CR500 in the back, chain rusted, driving <laughs> through rain. I mean, that thing, I, it was the worst looking bike I think I'd ever seen. And the guy, I remember Millville, us out there, he was running around. He was beating JoJo. He was beating <laughs> Bailey. He was yeah, beating, yeah. I think he ran in third for 20 minutes and a footpad broke off and he's DNF. Yeah, yeah. Nobody right. ever mentioned him. Right. I'm like, dude, um, you know, so there are. A lot of those guys that right under the right, you know, Honda <laughs> would have turned him into a champion. <laughs> Somo, Matson, another couple guys, right? Like that, yeah, that were good. Yeah, um, yeah. and never got it. Yeah, Mike Byer for that one year, you know, a lot of guys. So yeah, yeah, uh, there, yeah, and just like you say, Storbeck. I mean, there there are so many guys that kind of fit in that that uh, under layer of right behind the factory guy, mm-hmm. right? That. Uh, Oh, but yeah, nope. you know, and Bayer, you know, say you, know, you mentioned Mike. He goes out and gets third in the 125 Outdoor National Championship in '84. Yep. And what does he get? Yeah, he got a few bikes and yeah. parts the next year. <laughs> no, I know. I, I've, I've done so many of these podcasts with these guys. I cannot believe like how it was back in the day. Mark Murphy, I did one with Mark Murphy. Like great results, you know. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Just yeah, just nothing. Nothing. Sorry. See you later. Yeah. You know, and I can't be on that list because I eventually got the fast yeah. rider. But yeah. yeah, my first, my first national I ever went to, I, I drove with Mike Byer and his mechanics. So I went to Gainesville, Florida, by myself on a bike that I borrowed from Jody Weisel's magazine, clearly stock '84 RM125. Yeah, yeah. I go out. And Mike's mechanic goes, oh, yeah, we'll help you out. You know, right. you guys won't be in the same heat race. We are. We're <laughs> one, two in the heat race. Uh-huh. And then, you know, you guys will be far enough apart in the first moto. And, you know, so that's a whole other side joke. But yeah. I go out and I get fifth in my first national on a borrowed bike with no mechanics. I got to lean against the gate. Right. Packing my own start, you know, and I'm like r- r- arguing with the guy. Hey, no, you can't impound it. I got to go work on this yeah. thing, you know. And. <laughs> Nobody ever notices. Yeah, you know, never yeah. been to Gainesville in my life. Right, and I go right. there and I get fifth. Yeah, it's not like first national moto. It's not like you're at Saddleback, so, someplace you, you know well. You're at Gainesville, like you've never yeah. exactly. Right, but you know, and still from '84, it took me four right. years really to get any kind of support from Yamaha, and that was just yeah. uh, pure ignorance and determination that I finally ignorance. cracked that seal. But ignorance. <laughs> um, what what year did you make the most money? Was it factory year? Because Holly, because Holly, yeah, not, get, not really my factory year. Yeah, get, hey, getting back to, to Holly, Jim always says he made less money as a factory rider because he couldn't do all these races, right? So exactly, he wasn't that <laughs> mad about not being on factory Yamaha. I'm, I'm more upset well, there, than he is. There's the answer to your question. <laughs> I went from twelve to ten, and then I looked at my bank account. Right. I know oh, you guys can have your factory ride. Yeah. I'm gonna go to Australia, yep. Indonesia. I'm gonna go everywhere. Yeah. So actually, put money in my pocket. What, no, what year for you? Same thing. Yeah. Probably 
I want to say 90, the end of 90 to 91, because, you know, I know everyone touts Rick Ryan being the only privateer that won the Supercross. Right. But in 91, when I won mine, I was technically a privateer because I I looked like a factory guy. Yeah. But I wasn't in the press releases. I I got a box van leased to me for a dollar. You know, they just kind of helped me. Right. And included me in everything, but I wasn't getting a salary. Yeah. I was just a guy out there. You know, I had to pay Butler to be my mechanic. Oh, you or, did, huh? Randy Lawrence. Yeah, yeah. No, it was Randy, Randy. Lawrence. Because yep. Emmett came along and stole my mechanic. <laughs> and so I hired Randy, who ended up, you know, working for Jeremy to write right. some titles and whatnot. But, yeah. yeah, so, you know, here we are, kind of looking factory, but, See, yeah, that, we were total privateers. That was your deal. And because that I, year. Yeah. Go ahead. No, just that year I went. I did every Europe race I could to get ready for the 92 season. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, I made a ton of money that year. <laughs> See, and me as a fan going to the races then as a kid, your graphics were the same as Bradshaw's. You're, you're, you're parked by them, right? But it looked like yep. it, like you said. It, it, I would have I would have said, yeah. yeah, look, Dubox Factory Yamaha, right? But no. Yep, and exactly. Did you, until you open their press package right. and you went, wait, why isn't Dubox now, in the press package? did you get <laughs> you works parts? That day. <laughs> did you get works parts yeah. and stuff? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. I had yeah. a great bike. Right, right. Yeah, but I just I didn't receive a salary. I, they gave me some expense money, and then yeah, I yeah. got to do with it right. what I what I pleased. Okay. Uh, so. Fantastic, Doug. I love this stuff. Bench racing. I'm going to come up with another bunch of questions. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to... All right. We should do this like every six months. Load them up. Right. Every six months, I'll come up with all these what-ifs, and, and we'll talk about the sport and bikes, and, and then you can you can give me your awesome perspective on it. I think it'll be perfect. So, um, there you go. Uh, everybody, you go, go. P- if you're in the market for an exhaust for your bike, uh, dubachracing.com. Go there. Check it out. Uh, and uh, and certainly a, a legend in our sport for, for all the things that you've done for racing to testing to to everything else is still riding now um thanks doug i really appreciate it, man uh, no problem thanks for the call because yeah this i could do all day this stuff is fun yeah absolutely thank you man all right all right thanks thanks for listening to the fly racing steve mathis show don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbet because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right, and right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane, Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home. And once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. 
The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled pitch and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in, I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. As the days and the months and the years go.